This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 177 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. This past weekend, the Bustlot Boys busted out the brooms for a pivotal hashtag state not southern sweep. We'll break down the series and explain where this leaves Georgia State heading into the final week of regular season play, and we'll also touch on a couple of bits of transfer news on this the week after the deadline passed for players to enter the portal. But first, let's talk baseball. A 3-0 weekend over that team down south, the first time in program history that Georgia State has swept Georgia Southern in a three-game set. This series was a thumping, as Southern never led, and the Panthers outscored them 35-10 in the three games played, winning 11-3, 8-2, and 16-5. The offense marked a couple of milestones as the team went past 100 home runs on the season, and Cameron Jones tied at Jimmy Folk's regular season-season record at GSU with his 34th stolen base of the year. The sweep gets the Bustlot boys back above 500 at 27-26 and 26 and 14-13 and 13 in Sunbelt play. Gentlemen, thoughts on this series this week? Yeah, so I wanted to start by mentioning also that the Sunday game was a 16-5 win in the eighth inning wherein Georgia Southern got run-ruled on a walk-off grand slam by Max Ryerson that made it that 16-5 final score, which felt like the exact perfect capper for what was just a dominant weekend for Georgia State right when they needed it. We talked about, hey, win two of three, you're in an okay spot and you know, do what you can the final weekend against ODU and come what may. And they won all three and did it in incredibly impressive fashion. Uh, obviously, the bats will get the main headlines from these games because of those, you know, 35 runs, three games is an absurd number. But the pitching did just as good of a job because this is an experienced Georgia Southern offense that has had a lot of success, has some thumpers at the top of their order. And, you know, the starting pitching. Ryan Watson on Friday was great. Combination of uh, Rafael Costa and Joseph Brandon on Saturday. They they kind of have melded into the Saturday starter, it seems, the last couple of weeks. They've been kind of both working three innings here or there last couple of starts as opposed to like the traditional, the way it had been going with Saturday, Sunday. Um, but it worked. And, you know, in all three games, Georgia Southern was held scoreless for the first four innings or into the fourth inning, I think was when they scored for the first time in any game. And so when the offense was putting up the numbers they were, and when you had leads just to where in every game Southern was having to play catch up, it was just going to be too monumental a task. And, you know, they got across the line in all three of them really, really good weekend. I mean, yeah, you kind of touched on everything that was worth touching on in that respect. Uh, good job. Podcast over. Now, uh, I want to echo the sentiments as re- in regards to the pitching. I mean, we, we've we talked about it all year, and it's kind of gotten a little bit better, sort of. Um, but this really was the time that they put it together. And, you know, what a perfect time in the year for this to happen. You know, we'll talk about the implications on it later. But, I mean, beating Georgia Southern in a series, you needed to – to win basically to get your Montgomery to keep your Montgomery hopes alive. And they did that. And, you know, yeah, the bats might get the headlines, but pitching has been kind of the bugaboo for Georgia state this year. And, you know, getting a good start on Saturday from Watson, you know, having a mixed start admittedly on Friday by Landry, but Hey, the, you know, the bullpen, only gave up two runs after, after Landry couldn't get through the fifth inning. Like that's, 
sometimes that that happens. Sometimes, you know, you don't have the length out of your starters and you just need some guys in the back end to pick you up. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. And then Sunday, I mean, <laughs> what there's not really much to glean from a 16 to 5 win. So, you know, it's just it's nice that they were able to do, you know, what they did. Yeah, well, I guess the one thing to mention is kind of in the same vein of what I was saying before. It was actually close. The closest that the game any any point in the weekend was was it was a five nothing Georgia State lead. The Georgia Georgia Southern cut to five four in the Sunday in the fifth, and then that's when they poured on eleven of the next twelve runs to get that run rule victory. So the first time there was any kind of a glimpse of hope for the Eagles the bats immediately went to work putting that to rest and the pitching followed suit because, you know, it's one thing to where you, you know, it's cut back to five, four, you add on another run in the fifth, make it six, four. Okay. If, if Southern gets to the top of the sixth, then you're back to a tie game and the momentum is going. But after a little bit of a shaky start there, like you mentioned from Landry, they, the back end locked down Cameron Jones, who hasn't been featured as much as the two way guy. He's been more in the field, and that's, I guess, part of what's led him to tie the steel record is how many games he's playing out there, uh, playing in the lineup. He went three and a third. He only had one hit, four strikeouts, and he got the win because he was the last pitcher before the walk-off happened. And, yeah, put put the put the foot down and put it to rest and disavowed any comeback attempt and any kind of salvaging of momentum to where it not only did you sweep them, and from just a rivalry perspective, obviously that feels good, but they're level in the standings now. And you know, Georgia State, after we've talked all that much about the tiebreakers that they don't have, they now have a tiebreaker over Georgia Southern as far as seeding is going to go in the tournament uh, should they finish the drill and get there. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, though, is that you know, sometimes I will say this fan base can be a little bit looking at like, can say, yeah, bud. And like in a season where they make the NCAA tournament basketball, whatever, can hang on to a couple of results maybe during the season that went away or, you know, no problems this weekend being loud on Twitter, talking about how the self-professed baseball school got swept by the quote unquote inferior program or whatever you want to say. Good job for Panther fans for just totally making Georgia Southern fans wear this one because they're certainly a chirpy bunch. And I think especially they think that baseball is the sport that they would just it uh, always have an edge in and that wasn't the case this weekend it it was not even close to having an edge this weekend for the boys down south and you know i also commend the team just because you know specifically with this athletic school year you know we've got we've seen various teams kind of needing wins at the end to you know salvage some level of a season and they haven't been able to do it um And I mean, yeah, the job's not finished, obviously. You know, there's still things that this baseball team wants to accomplish. But, you know, kudos to them for when they needed to get wins. I mean, they got some of the biggest wins of the season in that time. That's that's huge. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about like this being a step back from last year. And, you know, I don't know that we were expecting a sweep when we talked about that last week's pod because... You know, as they sit here now, they're back to three wins off of 30 wins is where they got last year. And all they have to do is win a game in Montgomery. And that would be a, a greater success than they had last year because last year they lost in their first game when they played ULM in the tournament. So 
maybe we were a little bit early to call that one. And you know, you're in a situation where, depending on how many games you win in Norfolk, you might only need one uh, to match last year. If you find your way to another sweep against Old Dominion, you might, you know, any win is going to add on past 30 and get you get you further up as you are looking to build. So. You know, it certainly wasn't a like massive step up. And I think that the team and Coach Dramada will be the first to say that they expected to win more in the realm of 35 games and not in this situation where you're looking for usurping 30 in the tournament or maybe right at the end of the regular season. But they've done a really good job, like you said, when things looked kind of bleak and it was kind of like, what are they going to get from this season? Are they even going to make the tournament? Everything looks a lot better now. It's amazing what just one weekend where everything comes together does to change the entire you know complexion of the situation. And I also wanted to shout out, uh, I don't know which game it was. I have to go back and check. But JoJo Jackson did a little bit Babe Ruth, called his shot. He called a back-to-back home run from the dugout. There's a good clip of that on Twitter that uh, he certainly called it. Uh, and he said, what, going back-to-back like Kobe and Shaq? And within about five seconds of him saying that in the dugout, bang, home run. It was a fun moment. I, honestly, I think I think it was yesterday's game. Um, but it was, it was definitely a fun moment. That was very cool. I, I, I saw that floating around there, um, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I mean, first thing to say is they got did what they needed to do to set themselves up for, you know, the thing that they needed to do the task got a lot easier heading into the final week and you know, Jordan's going to lay out what all of the games just did for where everything stands. Right. Winning three games did wonders for Georgia state's chances of making the Sunbelt baseball tournament in Montgomery as thanks to their three Oh weekend and South Alabama getting swept at the hands of coastal Carolina Panthers need only one win or Jaguars loss this weekend to clinch their spot. GSU heads up to Old Dominion while South Alabama will hit the road and face Arkansas State. Gentlemen, thoughts on this final weekend of play? So yeah, obviously it now is not a case of like, it's not that complex to work out. It's like you just need to win one game or have South Alabama lose one of their games and you're set. Not to mention you have a little buffer because you have the tiebreaker on Jordan Southern who is also in a three-way tie with you and the team you're playing, Old Dominion, at 14 and 13 in conference play. So you got a little bit of breathing room. The one thing I should say in total fairness is that Arkansas State's not been a great team. It's entirely possible that South Alabama does what they need to and gets the sweep this upcoming weekend against Arkansas State. Certainly, Panthers can't rest on their laurels and get swept and hope for any help from the Red Wolves because – the Red Wolves have not been a particularly helpful team uh, in 2023. It being on the road, maybe you think that gives them a better chance and it'll be a senior day weekend for Arkansas State, so maybe a little bit of a bump there. But job's not over. You still to feel like you have done what you need to do. Got to win at least one. It's a good ODU team you're playing, and it's on the road also. Um, but they have hit some struggles. I don't think they expected to drop the series. They just did James Madison, who's kind of surging and has surged from where they started out conference play. So beatable team, especially if you're just looking for one. Uh, there's also a little bit of a surprise seven seed in the works because 
Texas State got swept this past weekend by Louisiana. And as a result of that, they fell all the way to seventh and dropping out of the first round bye. And part of what that means, if that's what holds, because they're still, they can move up, they could get back into the buys easily if they take care of what they need to this weekend. But, you know, Georgia State currently is sitting in eighth place. If Texas State stays as that seven seed, that's a wolf in seven seeds clothing. Like you want to stay in that eight, nine line if, because if you make the tournament as the 10 seed and your first round matchup is Texas State, who came within a whisker of making, I think, a super regional last year, they lost to Stanford and have been one of the better programs in Sunbelt and baseball the last couple of years. That's a tough draw. And it's not a easy draw, whoever you get in the eight, nine game, if you're there, because as we've talked about, it's a really deep league and you're having some teams step up, you know, app state's been good. Georgia Southern arguably is underperforming their talent level as well. And if you played them, they'd be probably pretty mad about what just happened in Atlanta. So they'd have revenge on their mind. So nothing is easy, but I think that if you end up as the 10 seed and you draw Texas state, that is probably the worst possible outcome you could get for Montgomery, just because that is the toughest draw of any of any I think the, the teams you could possibly face at this point based on the standings math in the first round yeah I mean you know kind of pouring over the standings it's insane how just such a good weekend last weekend completely changes the calculus for Georgia State if they're you know if they win this series against Old Dominion which you know not an easy task I mean yeah, I think you're right that they're not going to want to play Texas State, but I don't know. Looking at the standings a few weeks ago, I didn't think that Georgia State would have at least the opportunity to get to, you know, kind of that 8-7. I mean, if a lot of things break their way, I, th- I think there is math that says they could get to 6. However, that would be very unlikely. Um, I, I believe they are currently 8. Um but, you know, if, if they were to sweep Old Dominion, you know, and some other things happen, I think based on the tiebreakers and just where other people's conference records would be, they could get up there. But, I, again, not saying that that's going to happen. Yeah, but. I have not worked out all <laughs> the permutations, and I haven't really thought about any team six or higher, just because it's just so much of a web to untangle that I'm just going to wait for things to actually happen. So it's like, okay, this is what we are actually talking about, because they're probably, you know hundreds of permutations of how this could finish still just because everyone is so bundled up together you know like the regular season title is not sorted it's still between southern miss and coastal that they're tied at 20 and 7 uh and then under them you know louisiana is 17 and 10 in conference play then you got troy 16 11 app 15 11 james madison 14 11 so like that's all messy and that's just the team's you know three to six. And then you add in the three-way tie with Old Dominion, Georgia State, Georgia Southern at 14 and 13. And then South Alabama still lurking, still possibly could make it. You know, a lot is still to be decided this final weekend of Sunbelt play. I mean, this is, this is what baseball fans want, right? Like the, the end of the season where it comes down to three games and you know, that nobody really knows what's going to happen. And I like, I, you're right. We shouldn't go through the hundreds of permutations, but that doesn't mean at least kind of thinking about them isn't fun. Yeah. More than a handful of them could see, I think Georgia state at least get to the sixth spot, but it would depend on some other results going their way. 
Um, I think probably the most likely thing that would help them is getting their way to a sweep against Old Dominion. And actually the team that they just beat in three games, Georgia Southern has James Madison on the schedule for the final weekend. So if the Eagles found a way to be helpful for Georgia State and Georgia State took care of what they needed to, I think that would be the path where they could find their way up because they, by virtue of beating Old Dominion two or three times, be better than Old Dominion, they'd have the tiebreaker on Georgia Southern. It would still depend on what Texas State did. But I think if you're looking for like the path of least resistance to find a way out of the first round, it might revolve around Georgia Southern being helpful. So I, I guess a weekend of who is helpful, uh, because we let off with me talking about how you need Arkansas State to do you a solid, at least in one game, if you want just no drama. All right, let's go ahead and move on to some football news. ODU transfer wide receiver Peter Kikwata is joining the Georgia State program. He's transferring out of Norfolk after one season where he played on special teams and caught one pass for 23 yards. He's 6'1 and a former three-star recruit out of the state of Maryland. Gentlemen, thoughts on this addition? Yeah, it's another, you know, they've added a handful of guys at this point, you know, starting with Jakari Carter uh, in the uh, in the winter at the receiver position. Certainly became a little bit more pressing after you lost Jamari Thrash, who you were kind of counting on to be the guy at receiver. Uh, I still, it's kind of the same thing with a couple of these positions, which it's the cop-out answer. I don't know who's going to get the reps, but I think you've added a lot of guys that you could look at as taking a bigger role or taking a big role in their first year in the program and becoming a reliable option for Darren Granger. To add to guys like Robert Lewis, that you kind of expect are going to be, you know, wide receiver one, two, somewhere in that range. So, yeah, I think that the pedigree, uh, he's a mid-high three-star recruit with some solid offers that he's listed. And uh, it's certainly interesting that after all of, uh, you know, Sam Pickney going to Coastal Carolina and losing guys in conference, that I, I believe that, you know, Bryson Broadway going to George Southern, I think this is the first direct Sunbelt transfer the Georgia State's gotten, at least in a while. I'm trying to, I'm struggling with the last one they would have gotten directly from a, a opponent. Yeah, the- that feels right to me, um, at least at a skill position. Yeah, I, I don't remember anybody else transferring I'm, in this It is fashion. possible I'm blanking on someone really obvious and it will be told to me and or someone will send me a reminder of like, oh, this person. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but if it's happened, it I don't think it's happened recently. Uh, so that, that was interesting. And, you know, I don't really know what to say about his time at ODU because he was basically didn't get that much run. So kind of a wait and see. But you've got that with a few guys. And I think the hope is that at least one or two of them make a step up and if you're just going off for recruiting profiles, he's got a pretty good one for the G5 level. So a lot to like, promising for sure. Someone that I got circled now, maybe above a couple, you know, of the group that they've added, he's got me intrigued for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, there's not much we can really decipher from 23 yards of tape. <laughs> um, if there even is tape out there in that respect. So yeah, it's 2022, you know, I'm sure that that game was broadcast and there's video. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen the, you know, the 22, 23 yard catch of lore yet, but I plan to. Oh yeah. You know, 
the Liberty it, yeah, game last year. It was the Liberty game. Well, you know, we'll find it. We'll find a way to get it front and center. You know, it'll be on the the uh, the jumbotron at Center Park Stadium before the first game. You know, highlights and it'll be in the highlight package when they're doing you know the the player introductions for sure for sure. Um, but yeah, I I liked what you said. I mean. Any offensive weapon that can help after some of the losses that Georgia State had this past offseason, that's that's good for them. Um, you know, I think we kind of focused a little bit more on the running, the running backs and the offensive line this offseason. But, you know, a big I, I guess we focused on them more so because over the last couple of years, there's always been one or two wide receivers who kind of quote unquote come out of nowhere and do exactly the role that they're supposed to do. You know, Jamari thrash last year just looked awesome. Um, Obviously he is no longer with the team. um, So it's going to have to be from somewhere else. But I think, you know, on the priority list, while the wide receivers might be, you know, knocked down a peg, it's still good to have strong depth there. It's still good to have, you know, playmakers there so if that's peter then that you know georgia state's in a good spot yeah i think it's you know last year it was you know you were losing cornelius mccoy and sam pinckney and it was kind of uh whether or not anyone specifically replaced them and it turns out that yes jamari absolutely did that and more uh being first team all conference and just going absolutely crazy it was just about are you going to notice that they're gone and i think it's the same thing where I don't think you're asking anyone specifically to go out and get 1,100 yards, although that would be a nice thing for sure. It's just going to be about like if four weeks into the season, we're looking at it and being like, yeah, it's very obvious that Jamari Thrash is no longer here and that they've lost the weapon that kind of spearheaded the passing game. It's just going to have to be a collective thing. And you know, maybe someone takes a step like he did last year, uh, but I don't think that that's going to be... I think it's going to be committee until someone kind of asserts themselves, uh, but that's the goal. And so you added another guy to that group and, you know, still I think it's about just do you recognize that number two is gone or is it kind of like, oh, yeah, the guy who went to Louisville isn't here anymore. Now, obviously, if you're in that position, things are going pretty great because a guy like Jamari Thrash should be a big loss and should be a guy that's hard to replace. and so. The task isn't easy, but I think because there's just a handful of guys that you could give those reps to and could expect that from, I think you feel okay about it. I think you feel as okay about it as you could short of, you know, getting a guy with like his exact stats yeah, or coming from like a five star or whatever. Like, I think that just the, the sheer number they brought in, someone's probably going to do it. I, I hope that's a ringing endorsement. Someone's probably going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Someone is probably going to do it. The Thursday night motto. The 2023 right receiver room. And finally, on the basketball side, there's no roster news as of recording of this podcast with Jonas Hayes and Steph still possessing one more scholarship to give away. One other quick final note. Joe Jones III has announced he's transferring to Canisius in his hometown of Buffalo, New York to close out his collegiate career. Gentlemen, thoughts on Joe? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, when he walked on senior day and was not going to be here anymore, just given the struggles that he's gone through, I kind of thought it'd be it. I didn't, I, I was surprised. I mean, we were all, I think, a little surprised he played again for Georgia State. It just two years off is such a long time. But I personally love that not only is he not done, 
but he's going to go home and play. Just think feels like one of those good stories where, you know, he might have one more chance to really make his mark at the college level and doing it so close to home is a boon, you know, I'll be rooting for him. And Rick Pitino gone from the Mac. He has taken the St. John's job from, uh, uh, to, to leave Iona. So the Mac with two A's is kind of back up for grabs and, I think it's the Golden Griffins, if I'm remembering my mascots right, have got as good a shot as anyone to uh, take advantage in the new world order of the Mac. Normally, I'm pretty good at the mascot confirmations, but I don't know that I know that one um, off the top of my head. But yeah, I mean, you're right about the Mac. It's that that's a fun con. That's one of those conferences that you know you don't really hear much about during the year, and then it turns into you know conference tournament time, and you look up and it's like, oh, there's like three absolutely ridiculous teams, and this is a very fun tournament, and I can't wait to watch whoever wins this tournament or you know gets the auto bid or whatever to in the NCAA tournament, just because there's just some fun small basketball played around the country. Um, but to you know turn it back to Joe Jones. You know, wish him well. Glad to see that he got back on the court after those years off. Um, you're right. It certainly was a surprise. I, you know, I don't think I expected, you know, much playing time from him. So it's good to see that he got healthy and, you know, was playing. So hope he, uh, hope he gets to finish his career strong and on his terms and only his terms. All right. And that is all the time we have for this week. That's all the stuff we have to talk about this week. Short week, uh, since baseball is the only sport currently still competing. So, of course, we'll get you out of here with one more edition of Sports Bits for this academic year. Baseball, taking it to Norfolk, Virginia to face Old Dominion for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series as the final weekend of the regular season. Thursday, 6 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus. Friday, 6 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus. and then on Saturday, 1 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. And pending the results of that series as well as other goings on in the league. We'll find out if Georgia State will be taking part in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Those festivities begin on Tuesday, the 23rd in Montgomery, Alabama, and that will be broadcast on WGTJFM 97.5. Of course, we'll keep you updated on what uh, Georgia State's role in that will be. Other than that, that is it for the 2022 to 2023 academic year, athletic year. And we'll be back at it again with a postseason wrap on baseball or possibly tournament coverage pending results of this weekend. And then we got some other fun stuff lined up over the summer for you guys as we await the start of football. But that's all we got this week. Have a fantastic week and go Panthers.